Welcome to the Scripture Memory Podcast, a ministry of Scripture Memory Fellowship. If you've ever felt like memorizing God's Word is an uphill battle, stay tuned. This podcast will help you make Bible memory a consistent and enjoyable part of your daily life. After all, knowing Scripture is the first step towards a fruitful, God-honoring life. So whether you're a new memorizer who needs some practical Bible memory tips, or a veteran memorizer who just needs some encouragement for their journey, stay tuned for today's episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast, the podcast where we are helping you make Scripture memorization a consistent and enjoyable part of your daily life. I'm Dakota Lynch. And I'm Randy Williamson. And I'm Hannah Conner. And in today's episode, we are... Uh, beginning the fourth episode in our series called Scripture Memory Moments in Church History, where we are just kind of taking a stroll through church history and looking at the various ways that Scripture memorization was happening throughout church history, and especially just considering the fact that God's Word has been prioritized and memorized uh, throughout church history. And today, uh, we're going to be taking a special look at the Puritans. Now, uh, for a while, uh, I guess you would say over the last couple centuries, that uh, the Puritans had kind of fallen out of favor, not so fashionable. But really, over the last 60 years, you might say there's been kind of a resurgence uh, in their popularity and just people appreciating the stance that they took as people of the book. That's really the best way to describe the Puritans and, re- and really what they uh, live for. And uh, of course, they are a great example uh, to us in terms of what it means to care about Scripture and hide it in our hearts. And that's what we're looking at today. But Randy, as we get started, why don't you share with us our passage of the day? Sure, Dakota. Our passage of the day comes from 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 61. God's Word says, Let your heart, therefore, be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in His statutes and keeping His commandments as at this day. So this passage is a part of Solomon's prayer uh, from his time of dedicating uh, the temple. We know that King David was the one who uh, started to plan and prepare for the construction of the temple, but he was not authorized to carry it out. It was Solomon who was tasked with doing it. Now the temple is complete and he's leading the people in a worship service and offering this prayer that they would, uh, as God's people, be faithful to his word. This verse really highlights what I think is the heart and passion of the Puritans. If we had to characterize them in one phrase, I think it would be a a people of the book. They were wholly dedicated. They uh, strove to follow the Lord, go by the scriptures in really every area of their lives. And again, that's really the focus of this episode. And Randy, I know as we've been preparing for this episode, you spent a lot of time just kind of digging into the history of the Puritans and and learning more about how they did value God's word. And the first question I thought we should really tackle today is, did the Puritans memorize scripture? And tell me, what evidence have you seen uh, to support this thought that, yeah, they, they absolutely memorized scripture? What did you discover as you were kind of exploring that question? Sure, Dakota. Well, uh, I'm not going to hide this. I love the Puritans. I think I read my first Puritan work in 2007. My wife tells me that two constants, that she thinks two constants will remain in my life, bluegrass music and the Puritans. So love the Puritans a lot. Uh, in researching them, uh, there's not really like a, a textbook or a manual. There's nothing like super overt that we can say, hey, you know what? 
they memorized scripture and they used memory palaces or they used scripture songs or something like that. But there are all of these telltale signs, these fingerprints that they they obviously committed scripture to memory, hid the word in their hearts. A few of these evidences include where they're very high view of the scriptures and how they, they practice God's word in their lives. Uh, the Puritans believed unquestionably in the inspiration of scripture and the authority that scripture carried on the basis of inspiration so that they sought to practice it. You know, someone who has a high view of scripture like that, more than likely they're going to commit significant portions of it to memory. Uh, another thing that uh, is a really strong evidence, I think of it, when you read different Puritan works and Puritan sermons, there are a lot of exhortations to read the scriptures slowly and study the word of God deeply. Again, you know, not an overt thing, but it does seem to imply, you know, if you're going to read slow, if you're going to study deep, you're memorizing the word of God. But I think probably the strongest evidence that they were a people that memorized scripture was their practice of biblical uh, meditation. Uh, the Puritans were big on self-examination and also biblical meditation. That's the strongest indicator. And at least I found, I read all the Puritan works, of course, but I've read quite a few. What I have found when they mention scripture memory, it's usually in the context of biblical meditation. They saw um, scripture memory as being fulfilled or reaching its climax when you are able to meditate upon the scriptures. Something really cool that, that I found, uh, just how they thought about meditation, they saw it as a gateway or a bridge between the study of God's word and of prayer. So you study the word of God, you ruminate on the scriptures, uh, seeking its personal application, and very naturally, that would lead to prayer and praying of the scriptures. Uh, Hannah, uh, we've got a great quote, I think, from Thomas Watson. It really gives us a good representation of how the Puritans viewed biblical meditation. Yeah, so there's a quote by Thomas Watson, and he says, A holy exercise of the mind, whereby we bring the truths of God to remembrance, and seriously ponder upon them, and apply them to ourselves. And those are the words that he used to describe meditation. And um, the Puritans did this, and it's something that we should look back on, reflect on, and also seek to apply to our lives as well. You mentioned that when you uh, read the, the Puritan writings, scripture memorization and meditation went hand in hand. And that's that's what we find in the Bible, too, isn't it? You know, when you look at a passage like Psalm 1, verses 2 through 3, it says, The man of God is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. But I especially love Joshua 1.8, uh, where God, speaking to Joshua, says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. And I love that passage because it gives us three things. memorization because it says God's word wouldn't depart out of his mouth. So he knows it, but this is for the ultimate purpose that he meditates on scripture. And so I think we we can detect that meditation necessarily involves memorization because you can't meditate on something that you haven't memorized. So yeah, the fact that the Puritans prized biblical meditation 
means that they first of all had to value uh, the memorization of scripture. But uh, why don't we unpack a little bit what meditation on scripture really looks like? What is it? And uh, Randy, why don't you share with us uh, how the Puritans specifically viewed biblical meditation and, and what that looked like practically? Yeah, Dakota. Uh, before dealing with that, I, I think it's important to say, you know, meditation is really, I think it gets a bad rap nowadays, somewhat in the Christian community, or maybe uh, it's something that's not practiced like it was during the time of the Puritans. You know, usually if we say that word meditation, it conjures up with the images of the New Age movement or maybe false uh, religions like Hinduism or, or Buddhism or something like that. Well, Christian meditation, uh, the Puritan view of biblical meditation is very, very different from like this New Age view. The New Age view of meditation is emptying the mind, making yourself open, emptying your mind so that what cosmic consciousness you can experience that will Christian meditation, biblical meditation as the Puritans saw it, very different from that. It's not emptying the mind, but rather it's setting the mind, filling the mind with the scriptures. And again, we've got another great quote from a Puritan pastor named Thomas Brooks on that. You want to share that one with us, Hannah? Yes. Thomas Brooks said, remember that it is not hasty reading, but serious meditation on holy and heavenly truths which make them prove sweet and profitable to the soul. It is not the mere touching of the flower by the bee, which gathers honey, but her abiding for a time on the flower, which draws out the sweet. It is not he who reads most, but he who meditates most, who will prove to be the choicest, sweetest, wisest, and strongest Christian. I know we, we, are, we are all proponents of memorizing scripture, and, and we ought to be. But when, when Thomas Brooks says, it is not he who reads most, but he who meditates most. I think you could rephrase that and say, it's not even he who memorizes the most, but he who meditates the most. And we understand you can't meditate on what you haven't memorized, but if we memorize scripture all day long, but then we close the Bible and we and we shift our thoughts to something else, and we're not continuing to process that and let it shape our lives, then then we've really missed out on on what this quote is talking about, drawing that sweetness of God's word into our souls. Yeah, I find that quote just so so relevant and so timely right now. You know, in life, we have so many distractions in the 21st century. You know, we've talked about it before, our phones, all these digital devices, the busyness of life. You know, those are really, I think, the enemies of Bible study and the enemies of meditation. And just thinking about his quote of, of slowing down, thinking deeply, setting your mind on the Word of God through meditation. That's just really convicting. It is. Now, Randy, I know you've shared uh, before we uh, began this episode, you were talking with us about uh, how the the Puritans approached memorization and meditation specifically in two ways. You said occasional and deliberate meditation. Now, I think that's an important distinction, but can you unpack that for us and talk about the difference between occasional and deliberate meditation on scripture. Yeah, I, I think we have a false view of the the Puritans. You know, we think about them just being so, so stiff, you know, in their in their collars and, and stoic even. But, you know, they were they were really about the business of bringing God's word into the laboratory of life. And that really shows in the way that they practiced biblical meditation. They divided it into two categories, like you said, Dakota, occasional and deliberate. So the first one, occasional, that, that doesn't, 
that's not the idea that you occasionally do it, you know, here, there, and yonder. No, no, no. That means that watch for occasions throughout your day. Look for things that would prompt you, remind you of scripture and take advantage, leverage those moments, take advantage of them to just have a moment where you, you set your mind on a particular passage of scripture that an object, that an event of your day, a circumstance uh, might raise up. Uh, one Puritan said, uh, occasional meditation takes what one observes with the senses to raise up his thoughts to heavenly meditation. And so just to kind of flesh that out, an example of this might be, let's say that uh, you're at the red light and you've got just a moment, your car is paused and you look to your left and you see a bird in a tree and you just take that moment at the traffic light to contemplate Matthew 10, 29 or not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. That's occasional meditation. But they also believed and taught uh, that we should deliberately meditate. And so deliberate meditation means that you have an appointment to do this, that you have a set time where you're putting aside the things, the cares of life, and you're having a moment where you're thinking deeply about the word of God. You're letting it wash over you, as you will, uh, if you will, and let it speak to you personally and examine your life of how you need to carry this out, what it says to you with where you are in your relationship with the Lord. And uh, again, there's a, a great quote that I'd like to share. Edmund Calamy is a very famous Puritan. He said this, that deliberate meditation takes place when a man sets apart some time and goes into a private closet or a private walk and there does solemnly and deliberately meditate of the things of heaven. So we had occasional and deliberate meditation. Did that make you just want to try that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that throughout the day, it's easy to be consumed and focused on the thing that is before us, the thing that we can see, um, the things that we have on our to-do list that we have to get done throughout that day. And scripture isn't always on the forefront of our mind. So if we can attach scripture to something that physical that we can see or something we are experiencing. Even if it's like, I'm going to recite a verse when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to think on God's word before I go to bed at night, having those set times of um, something in your schedule that you could, you could say, I'm going to save this time for God's word um, because we are all meditating and thinking on something throughout the day. So we want that thing to be scripture. And that's what will really change us and transform our lives and make us more into the image of Christ. That's so true. And I think for me, both of these are so important, we know, but deliberate meditation, I think is somewhat intuitive. We understand that it's important to have quiet time and to immerse ourselves in scripture. I think that occasional meditation is what's hardest because that really requires a rewiring of how we think throughout the day. That involves something akin to what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Well, that's a little bit harder because we have to bring uh, our faith and our walk with God into every single moment of our lives, which is appropriate, but a challenge to be sure. Now, Randy, I know the Puritans also have some practical advice, some some guidelines, if you will, on, on how to make 
meditation a, a daily reality? And can you walk us through what some of those are? Sure, Dakota. What what I'm finding and what I hope you guys are finding and our listeners are finding, you know, as we're looking back in, in church history and, and, and thinking about scripture memory moments there, what they say really has a timelessness to it. It really speaks to us today. And, and I feel like the the tips that the Puritans can give us for biblical meditation are, are, are so relevant today. Well, let's let's talk about uh, some of the tips that they have, just dealing kind of with the practice of biblical meditation. The first thing that they advocated over and over again was to meditate often, meditate often. So when they said occasional meditation, not here, there, and yonder, you know, do it throughout your day and then also do it deliberately, but make that practice of meditation something that you do very, very often. And uh, we'll share another quote. This is by William Bates, another Puritan. I think this might be my favorite quote from the episode. It said, if the bird leaves her nest for a long space, the eggs chill and are not fit for production. But where there is a constant incubation, then they bring forth. So when we leave religious duties for a long space, our affections chill and grow cold and are not fit to produce holiness and comfort to our souls. So what he uses this wonderful image of uh, a mother leaving her nest and leaving her eggs. And what happens, the the eggs chill and they could perhaps uh, die. And he takes that analogy and he applies it to our religious duties, to the spiritual disciplines. If we're not seeking the, the means of grace, spiritual disciplines on a consistent basis, what's going to happen to our spiritual life? It's going to grow cold. It's going to grow stagnant very soon. So on that basis, they said you should be about this practice of meditation often, daily, moment to moment, even at times. Yeah, that's a perfect illustration. Um, and yeah, that that's so telling. I remember uh, years ago, I, I owned some pet ducks, believe it or not. And uh, I did have this one duck that actually sat on her nest for four weeks solid and hatched those eggs. But as I was just kind of learning, you know, how does this work and, and what is the timeline? You learn that if the mother duck abandons the nest, even for a short period of time, it could be so catastrophic. And I think sometimes we tell ourselves, you know, if I skip today's quiet time or if I Maybe just don't give God's word the attention that it deserves this week. What what could really happen? But well, we should not uh, underestimate the consequences of of neglecting those means of grace, as you mentioned. What else uh, do the Puritans have for us, Randy, in terms of this this practical approach to meditation? Well, they said not only should you meditate often, but set and guard your time. So have a, a set time, a set appointment where you're going to be in the Word of God. And you're going to deliberately meditate and then guard that, guard that time. Um, I'll share another quote. This is from uh, Richard Baxter. He said um, that we should defend in order to defend against temptations, that our time of meditation should be the most seasonable time for when you are most alert and not stressed by other obligations. So he's basically saying, find that time when you're alert, find that time that works best with your schedule, then guard it, stick to it, and honor that appointment that you have with the Word of God. Uh, moving on, they talk about not only guarding your time, but just kind of um, some things to think about to prepare for that time that you have. 
And they say that we should be serious and intentional, serious and intentional. And I hate to share so many quotes, but I actually don't because they're so good. This one comes from Bishop Usher, and it says this, this must be the thought of thy heart. I have to do with a God before whom all things are naked and bare. And therefore, I must be careful not to speak foolishly before the wise God, that my thoughts be not wondering. A man may talk with the greatest prince on earth. His mind may be otherwise busied. Not so when you come to talk with God. His eye is on the heart, and therefore thy chief care must be to keep the rudder of thy heart steady. So the idea is there, when you're coming to the word of God, when you're communing with the God of the word, be very serious, be very intentional, and set your mind on this. Don't let your mind be busied with other things, consumed by the cares of the world. Randy, one thing that uh, occurs to me is that we live in a very fast-paced world. You know, if I'm driving to work and traffic slows down to 20 miles per hour, I feel like I'm never going to get to my destination when, you know, not so long ago in the scope of human history, 20 miles per hour was unheard of. And and I feel like when we talk about meditation, and here we are in our fast-paced 21st century with all of our devices, it sounds excruciatingly slow. I mean, how are we supposed to carve out this time to focus exclusively on the Word of God? And yet, um, I, I think we just have to recognize that is that is the the moment during which the rest of our day will either rise or fall. You know, th- that's the the crux, really. And and so often in my life, I'll find myself really struggling or just being in a bad mood, and I can say, "Wait a second, you know, I've I've been neglecting some things in my walk with God. I haven't been faithful in these things." And there's no coincidence there, right? When we see things falling apart, but we haven't been laying that foundation. Um, we can we can certainly see how those things go hand in hand. Meditation is almost like that. Uh, what ignites the flame to the other spiritual disciplines that we have? Just being able to think and meditate on God's word because these things start in our minds and then they um, overflow and then we act upon them. And having scripture being that, having scripture in our minds constantly can allow us to uh, act according to God's will and His word. And there's nothing better that we can think on or we can uh, meditate on throughout the day. Uh, there's nothing higher than than God and his word. And it's also biblical to uh, think on heavenly things and to do that all throughout the day, even when we don't necessarily feel like doing so. You could almost say uh, when you're tempted to skip memorization and meditation, you have nothing better to do with your time. There's nothing better. Randy, I know uh, we have a few more very practical uh, components of meditation that um, the Puritans um, have talked about. Talk about some of these, again, as we think about preparing for that time of meditation. Uh, what else uh, have we learned as we've studied the Puritans? Yeah, well, uh, two more things to share, and they're quite practical. First, find a quiet place. If you're going to meditate, uh, noise, busyness is the enemy of meditation. So find a place where there are the least distractions. Uh, the Puritan Joseph Hall said this, aim for secrecy, silence, rest, whereof the first excludeth company, the second noise, the third motion. So find a quiet place 
Uh, eliminate those distractions where you can commune with the Lord through his word. Uh, and then I'm going to lump the last two together. Uh, they would come in clearing and cleansing your heart and then praying for assistance. I think those two things go together. Before you would begin to commune with the Lord by meditating, have a, a time where you ask the Lord to search you, to try you, to know your heart and your thoughts, to reveal any sin that uh, you should confess and repent of. And then after you've done that, call upon the Lord to assist you to understand his word, that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the inspired truths to your lives. Again, we'll quote Edmund Calamy again. He says this, I would have you pray to God to enlighten your understandings, to quicken your devotion, to warm your affections, and so to bless that hour unto you, that by the meditation of holy things you, be ma- you may be made more holy, you may have your lusts more mortified, and your graces more increased, that you may be the more mortified to the world and the vanity of it, and lifted up to heaven and the things of heaven. What a great quote, and what a what a great episode this has been, just to take some time and consider uh, the Puritans and, and their commitment to uh, meditation on God's Word. And uh, Randy, I know that you have spent a lot of time just preparing for this episode and exploring some of what history has for us uh, in this regard, so thank you, and thank you to those who are listening. Uh, we hope that this episode has really just kind of stoked the flame of your heart as you consider the role of memorization and meditation in your life. Uh, We do have uh, a collection of memory verses that we'd like to encourage you to consider. And in fact, if you look at the show notes for this episode, you'll see that. But it's a collection of seven verses from Psalm 119. And these seven verses talk about the practice and blessing of meditating on God's Word. Uh, That collection of scripture is called Think on These Things. And again, you'll find that in the show notes. Again, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast. God bless and keep memorizing. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast, a ministry of Scripture Memory Fellowship. At SMF, our mission is to help you know, live, and love God's Word. If you're ready to take the next step in your Scripture Memory journey, visit us online at scripturememory.com or download Verse Locker, our free Bible memory app. As always, be blessed today as you take time to enjoy God's Word. And be sure to join us next time for another episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast.